Raider great Lincoln Kennedy breaks down why the Raiders won last week and what they'll need to do this week to get another W with Q on Unnecessary Roughness. Got a text from the 661. We got Lincoln Kennedy on the way. Uh, I really hope the Raiders keep Josh Jacobs. It's more than just a play on the field. He's a big-time locker room guy. I've seen him firing up the offensive line, also lowering his shoulders to create contact to get his team going. You just can't find that with anyone. Again, it's a text from the 661-69187, keyword R&R. I've been talking a lot today about Josh Jacobs and what the Raiders will do, the decision that they have to make, the decision that he's forced them to have to make with the play he's had this season. Joining us now on the phone lines, as promised, is our good friend Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders radio broadcast, also multiple-time Pro Bowler, offensive lineman with the silver and black. And Lincoln, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. And, man, we were listening to a couple of the calls on the from the game on Sunday, you and Jason and you in the booth. And, Lincoln, you, pretty, you sounded pretty excited about that walk-off win by the Raiders. Well, I was excited about a win. There's no doubt about it. So, you know, the fact is that it, it was exciting. It was a good time. And, and you know what? When it comes down to it, I was really pleased with the guy, way the guys finished. We had seen so many disappointing losses this year by one possession. The fact that they were able to, you know, first of all, win the coin toss. Uh, yeah. Jake Harles celebrated with, and then, uh, and, then, and then take the ball down and score a touchdown, and that was, that was awesome. You know, I'm glad you brought up the, the one-score losses because they had six of them. They were 0-6 going into that game, and I remember when that, you know, they went to overtime. I said, well, it's either they're going to win it or they're not. They're either going to go 1-6 or they're going to be 0-7. How big was that for the team and the morale in the locker room to finally come out on the right side of that one score, those one-score games? I really think it's huge, and I think it's huge for a number of reasons. Not only just to build confidence, but you have to find a way to stop the bleeding. And, you know, what's what's disappointing mostly about this season, and I'm not talking about just the, the one possession losses, it was the caliber of team in which the Raiders lost to. You see what I'm saying? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, look, when you look at it, Jacksonville's not very good, Saints are very good, and we've seen a, we've seen a much better play out of the Raiders as far as on paper. I mean, they should win a number of these games. I know they're without Darren Waller and Hunter Repro, a number of people, but they still have a number of ways to attack. And, and, it was, it was, and it was warm to see them finally put it together, a very solid game for four quarters. And look, I, I said it over the broadcast, we, we ended up seeing each team kind of complement itself. The offense complemented defense in ways. When they made adjustments in the second half, they slowed down Denver and allowed the offense, even though the offense was sputtering, to get back into it. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Speaking of the adjustments in the second half and the Raiders' defense in particular slowing down Denver, what did you see that made the difference in the second half? You know, it was it – was, uh, wasn't uh, – to be specific, I would have to look at it again – in the second half, but I just know what they did work. And I was trying to remember what Denver was doing, that they, the Raiders were able to take things away from them. I mean, they still have troubles um, playing man-on-man coverage, tight man-on-man coverage. But for the most part, you know, it was it was just making adjustments, and the Denver could never get their offense off on board, really, in the second half. They had trouble moving the football, and there was a couple of three-and-outs. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. Q mentioned you on the call of the game, and then that final <laughs> play of the game, the walk-off, the walk-off touchdown, you say, how do you leave number 17 wide open? What did you see from Devontae Adams the whole game that made him so effective? Well, that's, that's what's, what was so, so most surprising. If you have one weapon on that field, especially in pass catching, it's Devontae Adams, and he runs what we call a bend route where he acts like he's going to uh, run in like all, across the uh, field and that's what Patrick Sartan thought he was going to run an angle route, similar to what Matt Collins ran about 10 yards in front of him, uh, away from him. Uh, and then he bent it back out, and Patrick Sartan got tripped up, and it was wide open. I mean, it was, it was even, you know, it, 
it's one of those things where even a safety would have looked for number 17 rather than uh, not being in the picture. When Devontae caught that football, there was no one around him for 10 yards. Yeah, and you mentioned that Ben route that he ran. Is that something that you think he was setting up the entire game or just some like or just a route Patrick Jersan was just overplaying it? There's a lot of times when you have as good a receiver as Devontae, and I don't know if this is part of their offense, and there are what we call option routes. And depending on the way the corner is playing, you have the uh, opportunity to, to do things opposite. So if that route could either become an angle route where if the guy is playing outside in, you're running across the field to run away from him. But in this, this case, Patrick Sertan was playing inside out. And, uh, and so when he bent it back out, out, it was away from the corner and the safety, and there was nothing but wide open field. Once Sertan bit, it was over. It was a wrap. I mean, as soon as he had his body leaning the one way, it was over, and Devontae was scoring that touchdown. The only thing they had to do was complete the pass. And I'm sure, I'm right. sure Lincoln, that was probably the longest ball that hung up in the air. And I'm sure Derek was thinking, like, man, don't mess this throw up. And Devontae, bring this ball in, get to the end zone, celebrate. What I'm always worried about is protection breaking down. That's mm-hmm. what I'm always worried about. So the first thing I look for when I when I'm watching all 22, I look at the safeties and I look at and I look at the offensive line and I see what what type of protection they might have. And when the play starts, that's what I'm following. A lot of teams like to play stunts, and they the Denver was running stunts um, uh, up front with their defensive line, but the offensive line did a good enough job for Derek to be able to step up in the pocket and deliver that pass. No, they did, and I, I tell you, there was a defender right there near that ball and almost knocked it out of Derek's hands, and of course we'd be yeah. talking about a different ball game, but uh, they ended up completing the pass, getting the touchdown, and getting the win, more importantly. Again, Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Necessary Roughness. Wanted to ask you about Josh Jacobs. We've been talking about him all show long, and the fact that he's put the Raiders in a position where they've got to make a decision. They declined his fifth-year option, but he's got 930 yards rushing, uh, Lincoln, and he's just been he's been that guy all season long for the silver and black. What do you think moving forward they end up doing with Josh? I think they end up keeping him. I mean, it would be smart to keep him. Look, when you already have something that's a proven commodity, you don't necessarily re- release it and go get something else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're going to need a run. And they're going to develop their young guys. It's not going to be all Josh Jacobs. It's been that way this season, definitely, and that's good for him. It's good to see. But I've seen Josh in, the, in years past not be able to finish season because he's getting banged up with all the carries. So it's not just going to be him. It's going to you're going to have to have a little bit of a committee back there, a trade off. You can develop, you know, maybe Brown and other guys that are coming up. But Zamir White and those guys. But for the most part, you got to pay the guy because he's a proven commodity and he's a balance. You know, look for what it's worth. We know that every coach likes to run the football. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it have a running game at his disposal. And look, Josh has definitely earned a new contract. Wait a minute. No, he really has. And, you know, it's funny, earlier this week, Josh McDaniels was talking about Josh Jacobs, and he said that, you know, where I'm from, we run running back by committee. He didn't use those exact words, but basically that's what he was saying. And what Josh Jacobs has done, Lincoln, has made him change his philosophy by not taking him off the field because he won't come off the field. Well, well, to Jacobs' uh, uh, credit, he did become a better pass receiver, and that was something that he had to work on ever since he came out of Alabama. And so far, you know, so that makes him a weapon even more so because you don't have to take him off the field when you want to throw the pass. And Josh has shown that he can pick up blitzes, all, and he's valuable that way. So he's that all-around back that every coach wants. But, you know, to, to be honest, the people that he's made miss in the backfield when the blocking wasn't always there, you see how hard he's running. You've got to reward that. You got That's a credit to, to what he wants. And what do you want? And what you want to see your team do? Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. As far as Max Crosby goes, I mean, he had the trifecta. He had the sacks. He had the forced fumble. He had the blocked field goal. I mean, Lincoln, what did you think about the day that Mad Max had? 
boy, I'm telling you, he's playing on all pro level. And I, I said on the, the morning grind, a little other podcast I do is that I've never, you know, never played with um, a, a probably an MVP, defensive MVP. And I played with, you know, many all pros and Hall of Famers and stuff like that on defense, but it wasn't a lot. And I know at the Raiders, you know, we didn't have a lot of defenders that went on to the Hall of Fame or, or stand out. We were more offensive minded. So to see someone play at a level that he has, and the way he's done it all year, I mean, he is a wrecking machine. There's no doubt about it. It's impressive, and it's really fun to watch. You know, I keep saying that I feel like the biggest play of the game was that blocked field goal before halftime. It kept the, the Broncos off the board, but I felt like it gave the Raiders juice, every one of them extra juice. So when they came out in the second half, they were going to get that game. Well, that, this is something that we've seen, you know, out of him, his play all year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has just done his best to, to spark it. And look, you know, there are times where they're, they're getting pressure – uh, and he's right in the thick of things. He's chasing down balls from behind, running backs from behind. He's trying to do everything he can, getting out in the screen area, you know, trying to, to, to trying to get a, uh, help out on the defender screen. So, I mean, there is no doubt in my mind that he is playing at such a high level. It's commendable. And I, I think he's on his way, not only to all pro, another pro bowl, but possibly defensive MVP. Max Crosby, he mentioned after the game how Deron Harmon mentioned mm. during the film sessions about, hey, man, we, we're not, like, lifting each other up. We're not supporting each other on defense. Someone makes a tackle, we're not clapping it up for him enough. Deron Harmon mentioned that in the film session. Did you see some some more of that morale building on the field on Sunday against the uh, Broncos? Well, I mean, I think, you know, for what it's worth, I think the, the defense has always been celebrating when you make good plays. I, I haven't necessarily seen what Deron was referring to. But I haven't either looked that closely at things after play. I'm more, you know, breaking down the play and when, <laughs> at my time on radio, um, talking about what just happened and what's going to happen, possibly happen next. Yeah, no, it's funny. We were talking to uh, Jason earlier today when we were doing the the Raider Roundtable, JT and myself and Jason, and uh, he was talking about just you know the juice in the in, even in the press box between you and, and him uh, having that walk off win. That's the first for Jason. He's now finally Lincoln baptized in the Raider Nation. <laughs> no doubt about it. Jason was so, so excited. He stood up first, and I couldn't believe what I just saw. So that's why I made the comment, how do you leave number 17 open? I mean, it, it was I was more stunned the fact that, that Devontae Adams is wide open mm-hmm. until I saw the replay. I was like, you got to be kidding me. If anything's going to happen, I'm going to cover him up. But it is what it is. <laughs> Isn't it funny, though? It's been about four or five times this season where Devontae is literally that wide open every time. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and look, I, I know he's a capable receiver, and I know he, you know, he can. He's good at route running. He's good at what he does, and there's no doubt about it. But you know, I don't watch the receivers as I'm as as they're running down the field. I see mm-hmm. there's times where I see guys open out of the corner of my eye, but I'm watching internally the line of scrimmage and and what Derek is doing and stuff like that, and then where he, where he's going with the football. So I can't watch everything all the time, but it's 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 so impressive to see him running the field wide open, either across the field or around, just in the middle of the field, wide open. Speaking of the line of scrimmage, what did you think about Jermaine Illuminor's performance at left tackle? Mm. I thought he held his own pretty well. Um, he was he had a little bit of a sore back. I saw the way he was walking, so and I know that I know that feeling. So I'm hoping that he's taking care of himself. And what I mainly mainly mean by that is I hope he's watching his weight because he can get big quick. So you got to be careful. You know, and and for the for the Raiders to go into that game with Colton Miller not not being available, right? I mean, he's the guy that you never really think of not being available. And for him not to be available, and those two guys and Illuminor and, and Mumford to step up, Lincoln, I thought they did a pretty decent job. Yeah, Thayer's just been looking for his opportunity. Still got some stuff he's got to work on. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. He has a problem with speed. 
especially around the horn. There's, there's no doubt about it. But, um, yeah, Illuminor held up well. The line held up well together, especially with the uh, in the run game. I thought they did a fairly good job. And I was excited for them when they were pushing around the Broncos. And, and you could see the excitement of the guys cheering on uh, the, the coach to run the ball more, run the ball more, and use that power. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. We talk to Lincoln each every Tuesday and Thursday, and obviously Thursday is Thanksgiving, so we won't talk to Lincoln on Thursday. But I uh, did want to ask you what your thoughts on Seattle. I mean, this is a 6-4 and four team. They're first in the NFC West, tied with the San Francisco 49ers. It's going to be another tough road trip, but what do you think about the Raiders and their chances to build off what they did on Sunday and take it to Seattle with them? Well, I'm certainly hopeful. The Seattle's have got a good defense, and, and no one ever thought, including myself, that Geno Smith would be playing at the level that he is. Right. So they got to be prepared for that. So it, it's going to be a big test. It's going to be wet and dreary and cold. Uh, it's not, probably as cold as it was in Denver, just in this when adding the rain to, to the system. But this is a great chance for the Raiders to get two in a, way, two in a row, possibly, and it gets a pretty strong opponent. How concerned are you with those two uh, those two big weapons that they have at the receiving core when you look at uh, DJ Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? Well, I'm really concerned the speed, especially the way the mm-hmm. corners have been exposed. So it'll be interesting to see what Patrick Graham decides to go in, whether he decides to use a chief safety system or then keep Deron Harmon in the back and try to bracket, maybe Lockett. I don't know if they have the ability to bracket Lockett. But uh, or DK Metcalf, but, but it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how how if, if they can generate enough pressure with their front four to keep Geno Smith to get rid of the football early because that's really been the formula a lot of quarterbacks have used against the, the, the Raiders. They don't want to hold on the ball. They know that Max Crosby is out there. They know the potential of the pass rush can get there. Um, so they don't want to hold on to the football too long. You got to force him to get it out of his hands, and more importantly, you got to learn how to talk, tackle in the open field. Sam Webb had a problem doing that in yeah. the pass game. Yeah, he did, and we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up with Sam Webb, and hopefully Nate Hobbs is able to play on Sunday. I know he's eligible to come back off IR, so maybe he's ready for Sunday. That'd be a big boost, but Sam Webb was a guy I was interested in paying attention to going into the game. He played decent against Indianapolis, but he was exposed, no doubt, against Denver. Uh, how does a young guy bounce back after a, a rough day at the office? Well, you got to stay true to what you are, and you got you have another opportunity. You take into consideration what affected you and how it affected you. Uh, where you are, but he, there was a lot of open field tackles that he missed, and, and he was playing, uh, giving really a, a light cushion, you know, to eligible receivers. And you can't do that, especially on the slant routes. You got to be able to play a little bit tighter. Don't give up the inside so easy. Right, no doubt about it. Well, Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. He joins us each and every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 o'clock. Lincoln, we definitely appreciate you, my man. Appreciate your efforts. Congratulations on a great call on that game on Sunday, you and Jason. And uh, have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you uh, following the holiday. AQ and Demond, you guys have a wonderful holiday and all that. All those out there, Raider Nation, listening now, enjoy yourselves. Be safe. Come on back. Raider Nation loves you. We love you. There he goes. Lincoln Kennedy right there. Great stuff from Lincoln all the time. We definitely appreciate him and uh, what he brings to the table each and every Tuesday and Thursday here on Raider Nation Radio 920. 416 is the time. We'll come back. Got a lot of text to get to. We still got Patrick Graham sound to get to. Plus, Eric Allen. Semi-finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's right. Let's go, EA. This is Red Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 20 is the time. Coach Patrick Graham met with the media earlier today. I promise you we're going to get to his sound bites. I've teased it like four times. That's awful teasing. <laughs> That's bad radio. Just know it's coming eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Can't say when. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there on Friday to to pay you. I didn't say what Friday, but I'm going to get you one of these days.
No, I'm going to make it happen. Don't worry. Coach Graham, we will have a few sound bites from him coming up in just a few. But we've had some great calls and great texts, so I don't want to ignore those either. I don't want to keep people on hold too long at 702-365-9200. Let's start off with uh, Raider Mac. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What up, fellas? What up? What up, man? I've been listening to all this, all this stuff, man. It's ridiculous to, to think Max. I, I know Max Crosby is good, but but Khalil Mack won the – in, uh, the best player in the in the National Football League. That's hard to win. So so I'm and, and I'm not saying that Max Crosby ain't gonna be he he may not do it one day, but he will he will do it one day. But at this point right now, I mean you can't hate. I mean that's a, a lot of people are hating on on when Raider players leave. I don't like that. You know the Raider Nation hate on players that they leave. It's it's sometimes it's not their fault that they left. Right. So I. That Saturday when he got traded, man, ain't no Raider fan could tell you that they wasn't upset. Come on, man. And for you to say Max Crosby is better than – they don't know football because Max Crosby is not better than, than Khalil Mack right now. Uh, he, he, he's good, but he's getting there. He's going to be great. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I don't, I don't like to divide it. But as far as Josh Jacobs, Q, uh, and DeMar, you got to keep the kid. We, you can't trade talent away. This is the NFL is about talent, talent team. You know the Kansas City Chiefs can do that because they got they got the best quarterback in the NFL right now. So they can trade a, a Tyreek Hill. We can't afford to trade away guys like like that. And, and, and if we do that, it, it's not it's not great. And the key to the the key to that game uh, was um, Harmon coming back in. I don't know if you noticed that when he when he left. And he came back. He kind of steadied the, uh, the the defense in the second when he came back, and you saw them start playing a lot better. And that's all I want to say. And I, I think fans should, you know, the guys that leave. That's like saying Kim Brown was better than Cliff Branch. You don't, you can't say that. That that's just a different era, a different player and stuff. But Khalil Mack was the, was business man. He won defense. Now when Mack wins defense. Defensive Player of the Year. Then you can then you can compare. But at this point, Khalil Mack is the better player for now. Okay. No, fair enough. I'm, hey, I'm not mad. What you my question? <laughs> I was brought into this. <laughs> I'm just hey man. I'm just the middleman. I'm the weatherman, right? I mean, it looks like there could be rain, but there might not be. It might just end up being cold and windy. I'm just the weatherman. All right, weatherman's got the best job in town. He could be right. <laughs> he could be wrong. It's cold. You know, it's funny. And I hate, I'm telling you, man, I don't like the cold at all. Call me what you want. I'm fine with that. I hate the cold. So it, it's a struggle in the morning to get up out of bed. But it's even worse when I turn on the news like I do every morning and Justin Bruce comes on on Channel 13. He's like, yeah, it's really cold outside. No kidding. I know that. <laughs> I know that. I can feel that in my bones. Tell me when it's going to warm up a little bit so I feel a little bit better. That's when, it's, that's when me and Justin are on the same page. When he finally tells me, okay, it's going to get warm around 11 or noon. Or guess what, Q? It ain't going to get warm at all today. Yeah, so why are you mad at him for doing his job? Because he's, he's a weatherman. He can't change it. <laughs> I know. He's a weatherman. That's what I said. He's got the best job in town. Like, you know, he could tell you how it is. He could tell you how it ain't. He could tell you what he thinks. He might be wrong. He might be right. He's got the best job in town. Nobody gets mad at the weatherman because he can't. You can't get mad at the you weatherman. You do. I'm not mad at him. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, no, I'm just mad because it's cold. I'm not mad at him. He's just telling me. That's why I said I can't get mad at him. I, I can be mad at the situation. 
Sounds like he says feels like 32 and you're just like, man, come on. Right. I know it's 32. I know it's 32. Tell me when it's going to be 42 or 52. Better yet, tell me when it's going to be 62, right? That's what I want to know. I'm telling you, man. The weatherman and Gina, two people you can't be mad at. Gina was my old business. Uh, it's okay. like Danielle. Like Danielle here. Danielle is our business manager. She does a fantastic job. Like you can't get mad at Danielle. You really can't? She could tell you some bad news. Like, DeMond, by the way, we're going to have to give you a pay cut. But the way she'll say it, you'll be angry, but you can't get angry at her. Right? There's certain people that are so good at delivering bad news, it sucks because you want to be mad at them, and you can't. Gina used to be that lady. She used to get me all the time when I was in Fresno at Q97, man. She used to get me all the time. Oh, Q, before you go on air, she always get me before I go on air. Before you go on air, you want to come up here real quick? I got uh, you know, I want to run something by you. Oh, yeah, sure, no problem. Oh, by the way, we're going to take $200 extra dollars out of your paycheck. Okay. <laughs> you know man, what I mean? It's like, a- yeah, it's like, okay. All right. Well, how's everything going? How's the family? Oh, they're fine. All right, cool. Anyway, so yeah, that, that's going to start this next paycheck, which is, you know, Monday. Okay, thanks, Gina. And I couldn't even get mad. In my heart, I wanted to be mad. I wanted to be angry. It's not her fault. Ah, man, you're a nicer guy than me. <laughs> I need that $200. I understand, but you, there's certain people you can't get mad at. They just have a knack of being able to deliver the bad news to you and not, and not make you angry. Just saying. Rob in Oakland hit us up at 69187, keyword R&R. As a Raider fan, I think we're uneasy parting partying with players that help us win games, probably because we haven't had too many of them recently. After paying Waller, Renfro, Crosby, and Jones, and with Carr possibly on the roster beyond this year, the front office will want to save salary cap space somewhere. Unfortunately, Josh may get victimized by the poor evaluation of running backs. If Josh leaves, DZ will get a comp pick, that's Dave Ziegler, will get a comp pick, and they'll have inexpensive replacements in white and brown. In my perfect world, Josh stays. That's from Rob in Oakland. He always brings the heat on all his texts. We definitely uh, appreciate that. Lots of good stuff right there. So uh, you can keep hitting us up, 69187, keyword R&R. Let us know what you think. Josh Jacobs, what do you think the Raiders should do with him knowing his fifth-year option was declined? He has definitely earned a contract. Will he get a contract? We got another call to get to real quick? Yeah, let's go ahead and get Hardcore Raider on. Hardcore, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, what's up, Q? Hey, I respectfully completely <clears throat> disagree with uh, your last caller. So here, here's the deal, man. Cold weather is cold, water is wet, and the and sky is blue and birds fly. Those are just facts, right? So Josh Jacobs, dude, we absolutely have to sign him. He's the best. We've had some good running backs. But he's the best running back we've had since Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen. And I like to call him the silver bullet because he hits – dude, he hits the hole like a, like a bullet, like shooting out of the cannon, man. That guy – is an elite talent. He's a generational player. And, yes, Cleo Mack was as well. But Josh Jacobs, there's no way that we can't sign this guy because here's the deal. The, the whole situation with Josh Jacobs, believe it or not, it does tie to Cleo Mack, okay? Right. And here's why. Uh, first of all, I remember when you did the Locked On show, <laughs> I remember like yesterday, uh, we were all fired up, man, and you were like therapy for all of Raider Nation and the Cleo Mack trade. None of us wanted it, right? Um, Matt could have been a Raider. He didn't want to be a Raider, okay? Those are the facts, right? He had his option. He had his choice. He made his choice, okay? Um, but we got Josh Jacobs because of the 24th overall pick from that draft, as, as well as Damon Arnett, and then um, the wide receiver. Uh, I had it pulled up. Sorry, I got it right here. The wide receiver, uh, Brian Edwards, okay? Yeah. Uh, now, Damon Arnett obviously didn't work out. Um, Edwards, I don't know. He did some okay stuff here and there. Uh, I think I think Arnett could have worked out, but you know, let's just look at the Josh Jacobs. Let's throw out the other stuff from the trade, and let's just really look at Josh Jacobs for Cleo Mack, in my opinion. Okay, mm-hmm. because Cleo, as good as Cleo Mack was, I don't feel like Cleo Mack ever won us a Raiders game. Like, I, like I can look at the a Panthers game 
when Cleo Mack like really made a game changing play and he he himself won us the game. But I look at Josh Jacobs and I'm sorry, like I know it's a team sport, but I feel like Josh Jacobs specifically has won us games. I mean, the way he runs the ball, the touchdowns, I mean, there's no way that you could like look at our team and be like, Hey, that guy with the other players on the team, but he himself almost took the whole team on his back to get us some wins. And that's that's you cannot pay somebody enough money for that. And not just that, but Khalil Mack went and made like $23 million per year, okay? Um, he's making about that uh, with the Chargers through 2024. We can get Josh Jacobs for $12, 13000000 million, so a little over half of what we're paying Khalil Mack. And if you look at, if you look at it from a, a standpoint of what Khalil Mack has done since he left the Raiders, okay, I have it right here, four, four sacks in 2014, and then 15, and then 11 sacks, and 10.5 sacks with the Oakland Raiders, okay? He left, he went to the Chicago Bears, he got 12.5 sacks, 8.5 sacks, 9 sacks, 6 sacks, and he currently has 7 sacks, and Max Crosby has 9 sacks, okay? Now, I'll always respect Cleo Mack, okay? But he wasn't like a vocal leader that the team needs at times, and Max Crosby is. And he, he's, like, he's making plays that really can compare to Cleo Mack, in my opinion. And he's getting the team fired up, and he's a true leader of the team, not just being a silent leader. So here's my question to you and all of Raider Nation. Who won the Cleo Mack trade? Was it was it the Raiders or was it uh, you know the Bears? Because in my opinion, we got Josh Jacobs out of that trade. And so my next question would be, who would you rather have? If you can only choose one, Cleo Mack or Josh Jacobs? Because I just gave the sack totals right there, and they speak for themselves. So much love to you guys. Hope you have a blessed Thanksgiving, and let's go Raiders. Brother Marquise in the 305, this is all your fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm pointing right at Brother Marquise in the 305. This is all 150% your fault. Brother Marquise called in and asked about Khalil Mack, damn it, and opened up this can of worms, and here we are now. That was just a, a whole long everything. Hell, you just did your own show. You just did your own show right there about the ins and outs of the Khalil Mack trade, all that good stuff. And I'll say this. Every fact that you brought up was was factual. Everything that you brought up. Now, I could say that even without the Khalil Mack trade, I believe the Raiders could still have Josh Jacobs. Because remember, they traded Amari Cooper, and they also had their own their own first-round pick. So Amari Cooper went, what, that was the number 27 overall pick that they got Jonathan Abram with? They probably could have got Josh Jacobs there. Or they could have waited till the second round and maybe had a chance to still get Josh Jacobs. I can't guarantee he'd be there, but at 27, I feel I feel pretty comfortable that he'd still be there. All right, Q. I just want this. I see how some the sports takiness or the sports radio where people yelling right. at the whole back right there. But here's just one game: the Raiders <laughs> beat the Broncos 15 to 12. Khalil Mack had, had five sacks in that game. Five right? sacks. Yeah, I remember and that. Seven quarterback and, and one was a safety. Hits. One one a safety. I didn't look that up, but sure. Let's say one was a safety. He won the game single-handedly where it was just, yo, man. I'm he t- was a dude, man. Yeah, he I'm was t- a yo, dude. Y'all throwing dirt on Khalil Mack's name, and I, I'm tired of it, okay? <laughs> I'm not even a Raider fan like that. I don't know how you were feeling that day when you were going the feeling, I was feeling some kind of way. But I'm feeling some type of way right now. <laughs> like, the check's not in the mail. I'm not caping for him at all. But, yo, y'all going to put some respect on Khalil Mack's name, man. Hey, that's, I I'm mean, tired of it. That's real, though. That's real. The dude was an absolute dog. So, I mean, look, Josh Jacobs, I do believe the Raiders could have had him with, without without the Khalil Mack trade. I still would prefer to have Khalil Mack and Max Crosby because defense wins championships. I do believe that. But I absolutely would love the Raiders to have Josh Jacobs. And I was pounding the table for Josh Jacobs for them to draft him before they even drafted him. I was there right there in Nashville. I was there at the stadium that your Tennessee Titans play in. 
when he was standing there, and he'll tell you, he, he said it. Yep. We were there at the car dealership last year to start the season. And he, I said, you remember us talking right before the draft? He's like, yeah, hell yeah, I remember that conversation. And I had said, and hell, I got the conversation still on my phone. Hey, you know, the Marshawn Lynch just retired. There's a spot uh, in the Raiders' backfield open. And he started laughing. And it was like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. They're going to Las Vegas soon. They don't have state tax. Like, that was one of the first conversation things that he mm-hmm. said. So I've been a Josh Jacobs fan for a long time. Would always want him to be a Raider. Would love for him to be a Raider a long time. Straight up. Let's get to that Patrick Graham soon. I will say, I got, I got a text. And I'll just leave it at, I got a text. The winner of the Khalil Mack trade, Khalil Mack. <laughs> Khalil Mack got the bag. He got the bag that he was looking for. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I say it all the time. Anyone who can get whatever they can get from any of these teams, when they can get it, good for them. Because you never know how long your career is going to last. It could last one more game, one more year, or ten more years. You never know. So if the money that you're being offered one place ain't the money that you think that you deserve and you should go somewhere else, that's not, that's not, a, I mean, that's, that's not a problem. Because your career could be over quick, fast, and in a hurry. So, yeah, the text that I got saying Khalil Mack won the Khalil Mack trade, no doubt. Because I don't think, and honestly, Hardcore Raider, I don't think either one of the teams won the, won the, won the trade. Because for everything that the Raiders received back, they're not that 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 didn't pan out. Yeah, you can't say take out all these players, right? And I mean, let's just look at Josh Jacobs. Well, that's man. Well, I mean, it's just it's just one of those things, right? I mean, you can't say that. And then Chicago, obviously, they got a little bit of shine for a minute. They went to the playoffs and what the triple doink or double doink, whatever the case was, didn't make didn't win the game. So I agree one hundred percent with Khalil Mack won the Khalil Mack trade. Do you want to go to Patrick Graham right now, or do you want to take another break? Yeah, let's reset, take a break. All right, let's take a break. Brother Marquise in the 305, I am holding you responsible for this Khalil Mack conversation that came up today on Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. My man Vice Raider hit us up on Twitter. What I want to know, what did Q do? Or how was he on the hook for $200 pay cut in Fresno? <laughs> That's what you got out of the conversation, Vice Raider. That's child support, homeboy. <laughs> That's child support, homeboy. Oh, by the way, Q, we're going to have to take an extra $200 out of your check this week. All right. <laughs> I guess we'll figure it out. That's when I ask, well, can, can we just... Can you just pay me cash? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, times are tough sometimes, man. But we, we we figure it out. We work it out. Patrick Graham, we got sounds from him coming up. Let's hit Tim in Texas real quick, and then we'll get to Patrick Graham. Tim, what's on your mind, brother? Hello, how y'all doing? We're blessed. Uh, uh, that's all nice and sweet what the last caller <laughs> said about uh, about uh, Josh Jacobs. But Khalil Mack was, Khalil Mack was the bomb, man. You can't. Uh, I ain't never woke up and and seen that somebody had got traded and felt like doo-doo the rest of the whole weekend. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, if, if something happened with Josh Jacobs getting traded, as much as I love Josh Jacobs, I'm not gonna feel like that. Uh, uh, Khalil Mack was uh, was the most consistent pass rusher we had had in a long time at that time since probably Greg Townsend and Howie Long. And uh, uh, um, and so I don't I don't understand where he's coming from on that. This man did win us at least three or four games by himself. All right, good stuff. Appreciate you. And I guess that's a good way to describe how Raider Nation was feeling after that trade. Feeling like doo doo. 
I know how I was feeling. I was angry first, and then doo-doo after that. So, yeah, I'm with you, Tim. I'm with you. But uh, it's, tough to, it's tough to really compare the two players. One's an edge rusher that gets to the quarterback, and one's a, a guy that runs through tackles and gets to the end zone. Right? I mean, it's really hard to compare the two, the two players, both of which I believe that the silver and black could easily have on the team at the same time, like right now, and that would be okay. Now, as promised, I'm going to get to Coach Patrick Graham he met with the media earlier today, him and Coach Lombardi. Uh, we played a couple sounds on Coach Lombardi earlier, and they were about Josh Jacobs. Now, here's Coach Patrick Graham talking about the win that happened on Sunday against the Broncos and the fact that, really, in particular, that they went into the lab in, the, in, in halftime and made a couple adjustments. I'm not saying they were major, massive adjustments, but they made a few adjustments, came out in the second half, and the defense played a lot better, albeit against a, a Denver team that's not very good offensively, but who cares? You're playing who you're playing, and you had to make some adjustments. The Broncos scored 10 points in the first half, only scored six in the second half. So here's Patrick Graham on how much a win validates the process that they're going through right now. The most important thing, and you know, this league is week to week, is just you get that win. It's just it's, it's a chance and an opportunity for the guys to see the reward for their hard work. And, you know, nothing, you know, solidifies that in terms of trusting the process than wins. And I was just so happy for the players to get a W on the road against a division opponent, against a tough team, you know, whether it's the, dealing with the quarterback, dealing with their defense, dealing with the running game. I mean, I was just happy for those guys to get a win. And I'm sure you have to talk to the players individually what it means for them in terms of the process. But anytime you could get a win on the road in the division, it's a positive and we could build off of that. It was big. There was no doubt that it was big, especially, you know, being on a three-game losing streak and wanting to see the fruits of their labor pay off. And on Sunday, it did. Now, can they build on that this Sunday against Seattle? Well, time will tell, right? But, I mean, all you can do is take it week by week, game by game. But you at least saw what they were working for pay off. And you saw that celebration. We all by now have seen that celebration in the Raiders locker room. They were all super excited by the way that they were able to perform and come out with a victory, uh, even if it took overtime, but came out with a victory in Denver for their third win of the season. Now, a guy who played a major role in that victory, especially defensively, was Max Crosby. We talked quite a bit about him, and we're not comparing him to anyone else right now. But the performance that he had on Sunday was next level, right? The guy had two sacks. He had a, a, a forced fumble. He had a blocked field goal. And, I mean, just hustling all over the field, stopping the run, chasing down Russell Wilson, doing everything he could to help the Raiders kind of will them to victory. So here's Patrick Graham talking about Max Crosby's performance. Again, not getting into the comparison thing, but I've had the – I've been very fortunate in my career to coach some really good players. And Max is different for a number of reasons, but, again – I've, I've had the great opportunity to coach a lot of good players, you know, guys that you, you might not even stick out to you in terms of have been have, I've seen them dominate games from the nose tackle position, you know, and got a chance to coach them, you know, like guys, you know, like whether it's Snacks Harrison or you talk about Vince Wilfork, I've seen Vince dominate a game from the nose tackle position, I've seen Snacks do the same thing. And then, you know, JPP, you know, I had, I had the opportunity to be around him, great player, you know. So, again, Max had, is unique in his own way. And, you know, his motor in terms of just in terms of how relentless he is in terms of and that really comes down to his conditioning, um, his knack, the, you know, again, get your hand on the ball, you know, whether it's the forced fumble, the blocked field goal, you know, the sacks. I mean, he's just he's a great player to be around. Patrick Graham right there on Max Crosby. And I think he he, he said it perfectly. There's different ways to dominate games. Right. And he brings up Snacks Harrison, you know, brings up JPP, uh, Vince Woolfork. I mean, these are guys that are lining up all over the defensive line, nose tackle, edge rusher, whatever the case may be. 
So it's funny, going back to the conversation that Brother Marquise brought up about Max Crosby and, and Khalil Mack, there's ways to dominate games. And even if you want to throw Josh Jacobs in there, there's ways to dominate games from your position that might be different than what the next person does, but it's still effective. It's still really good. And it's still domination. So I, I think that he summed it up. Man, I, I wish I had realized that that was how the, the answer was. I, I probably would have answered like that a long time ago. You know, while we're trying to get into this comparison and conversation, it's hard to compare players, man. They're all different. They're all cut from different cloths. But, man, you just know that you got a hell of a player in Max Crosby. Now he got a contract extension. You know he's not going anywhere. Yeah, you do. And then the question was asked. It was, hey, hey, like, how does he compare to some of the great players you've coached before? Right. I'm not into comparisons. I love that he said that. Mm -hmm. Just not into comparisons. Appreciate Max Crosby for what he is now because every player, when you're at that great level, you're one of one. Right. You might have some similarities to some things. You might take a move or something from other players. But they're their own player. Right, no doubt. So got a couple more sound bites from Coach Graham, and these are guys that aren't really getting a lot of playing time or they may be new to the team or both. Uh, and one is Jerry Tillery. He's the guy that I was very interested in seeing what he was going to bring to the table, a guy that the Raiders picked up off of waivers from the Chargers, and they, they cited what difference of philosophies in the Chargers locker room. So whatever that means, who cares? Former first-round pick. The Raiders have an opportunity with the next seven games and then the game on Sunday as well against the Broncos to see what he's got. Maybe he's the guy that they say, you know what, he fits in what we want to do here defensively. We're going to keep him around for a while. Or maybe he doesn't. And they say, well, that was fun. You know, we just gave him you know, the rest of his little $2 million, $2 million base salary that he has, which isn't a whole lot of money uh, for, for them. Us, it's plenty of money. For them, not a lot. So it's not a big deal. They're, they're working on, you know, figuring out the pieces, not only right now, but moving forward. So he had, what, a handful of snaps, probably about 20-something snaps. I believe he recorded a tackle. Uh, you know, and again, it was only – a few days, really, with the Raiders practicing, trying to learn what he's supposed to do. So you, you weren't going to expect some kind of big, huge impact from him day one. But here is Coach Graham talking about the impact of Jerry Tillery. I think just Jerry, you know, when he walks in the room, he has a presence because he's 6'5", <laughs> you know, big man. And I, I think you have to talk to Bilal, but just watching the tape, you know, Jerry, he, he came in and he did some things for us, some positives. And, you know, right now he's working hard to learn the defense and see where he fits in in terms of helping us. But, you know, anytime you get an infusion of a good player, it's a, it's, it's a positive. And, you know, he did some positive things out there and still some stuff to learn, and we're working with that. And I'm sure he's in the building talking to Frank right now. But, I mean, again, when you get the win, it, it seems like it, it was positive. So When he says Frank, he's talking about defensive line coach Frank Ocam, and then obviously talking about Jerry Tillery right there. And he is a big dude. So, you know, if they can get him into the mix and he can become some kind of impactful player, then good. You know, that's great. And then you have another guy that's a talented dude that you already got in the building and you can make a decision. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, that's okay too. You know, because again, you're kicking the tires, you're seeing what fits, and you're seeing what doesn't fit. Now, one other guy that nobody really even heard of, uh, Tyler Hall. And that's not a disrespect, it's just the fact that, I mean, he's played in a handful of games in the league. You know, he's been around the league for a couple of years, but he's only played in a handful of games. So it's not like he's a household name. Uh, again, if I say Tyler Hall, you're not, you don't, most people don't know who I'm talking about. He was activated off the practice squad on Saturday. I remember seeing the, the tweet from Raiders PR come through saying, hey, we have activated Tyler Hall off the practice squad. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Right? I mean, just you're bringing another guy in for depth. You know, Nate Hobbs is still out, so maybe you just need a guy in there just in case, case of emergency, break glass. No, he ended up getting into the game, played a handful of snaps, and we had many people hit us up on Monday on the text line saying, hey, you know what? That Hall guy I thought was kind of good. Ended up with a sack. And that, I got to give a lot of credit to Chandler Jones. I know he catches a lot of hell, but I got to give credit to Chandler Jones. He had a bunch of... Uh, a bunch is probably a, a over overused word. Multiple. He had multiple pressures on on Russell Wilson. He didn't have a bunch, but he had multiples. And he also did 
helps slow down the run too. He stopped. He helped stop the run. Uh, he assisted on Denzel Perryman's big, uh, big hit on I believe on Melvin Gordon. That that was a big loss of like five or six yards. I mean, he he did. He had a good game. Let's put it like that. Chandler Jones again catches a lot of hell, but I thought he had a good game on Sunday. Still didn't see the sacks that you'd like to see, but he did impact the game in other ways. So Tyler Hall uh, coming up off the the practice squad got a little bit of burn on Sunday and did some good things with the time he was out there. Here's Coach Graham talking about Tyler Hall earning that playing time. Yeah, you know, you just see a guy, you know, they, they earn their time on the plane uh, on Sunday through practice. And, you know, he's been diligent. Um, he's working hard in terms of studying, all the extra time studying. And then his skill set, you know, he's sticky in coverage. You know, he has a physicality. He showed up in the run game. I know statistically everybody wants to talk about the sack. But to me, the, mo- the play that stuck up the most to me was the two-yard gain on the run when he filled in the B-gap. And that's what we look for. I mean, in terms of Dave and Josh as they put the roster together, defensive backs who are tough, physical, and that could tackle. And that showed up from him, and, you know, it was, it was encouraging to see. Patrick Graham right there talking about Tyler Hall and how he earned, the practice, or earned playing time on the practice field. And that's the thing that you hear from all the coaches. Coach McDaniels, Coach Lombardi. You hear from uh, Coach Graham. Obviously, these guys will get their, their burn as they earn it on the practice field. It's just as simple as that. And I know everyone doesn't like to hear that because everyone feels like, well, maybe these, you know, everyone's not a great practice player, but they're a great game player. Well, with this staff, you better be a great practice player because you're going to earn your time based off what you do while you're practicing. Oh, man, I didn't know you were throwing it to me there. But <laughs> <laughs> Way to be on your toes, Damon. You're I, already, always, this, is, this is what happens when you know that you're about to be off for about four or five days. You no, start, it's not. You start looking at the clock like, man, I, I wish you'd hurry up and get this thing over. No, man, I'm, I'm looking at the clock like we got two more clips to go, so I thought you were going to speed through them. <laughs> Why would I do that? We, don't, this, we ain't speed dating around here, man. We're, we're talking. We're having a conversation. Patrick Graham was just dropping so many gems today. I want everybody to hear him all. Oh, okay. DeMond's, uh, he's short-timing it. He's ready to roll. He's like, man, I got the car warming up already. I'm ready to go. My bag is packed. I'm about to get on this bird. What time is your plan leaving in the morning? About 6 a.m. I'm here till I'm here. I'm here till about <laughs> see, 11. See, look, look. He's got the time all mapped out. He's got the bag. But he's good. Yeah, I'm here till about 11 o'clock tonight, too. So. Hey, look, you keep messing with me. You're going to be here till midnight. <laughs> Maybe one. Make a beeline right to the airport, man. You're already dressed. You're good. You can go into the uh, the bathroom when you get to to Harry Reid, man, and wash up in the in the in the in the sink. We used to call it a certain <laughs> kind of bath, but we ain't gonna call it that on the on the radio. We're gonna keep it clean. <laughs> Let's get to Patrick Graham. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear my Tyler Hall take anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly. All right, here's Patrick Graham. Talking about the big plays and the potential of the big plays in Seattle. You, you know they got DK Metcalf. You know they got Tyler Lockett. And those guys can stretch the field. They're going to try to butter their bread by running Kenneth Walker. He's fantastic. Young man out of Michigan State. He's a hell of a running back. He's, uh, he's done some really good things with them after Rashad Penny went down. But they also have, again, the big playability, DK, Tyler Lockett. How do you slow down those, those big plays? Well, our game plan. No, I'm joking. I'm not going to say. Um, <laughs> stay deep, I guess. Stay deep. That, that, that one, one. Stay deep. No, I mean, I think what you want to do is again. It, it all ties together. Whether it's the the pass rush, whether it's well, first it starts with stopping the run. You know, that's what you want to try to do because if they could do both run and pass and feel comfortable about that, that's where the issues come into play. You know, then you start overplaying for the run, then they run behind you. So you got to do a good job starting there, controlling the line of scrimmage. That's the main thing there. And then from there, just in terms of, you know, whether you mix up the coverages or, you, you know, it's just, just trying to do what you think is best to take away their, their top weapon.
happens. But, you know, again, when you're dealing with a team that has an offensive line that can block and they're gelling together, they have a back that's running the ball. I mean, they have two backs that can run the ball and they can catch the ball as well. The tight ends are an issue. Again, we're in the beginning stages of getting the game plan together. So right now, you know, right now the answer would be stay deep. But I'm sure we'll have some more off of that. There's Coach Graham right there rolling out the game plan on how to slow down the big plays. We'll see how no, he's not going to do that. But uh, just, I mean, again, it's going to be a tough challenge, man. I mean, because they do have big playability. And as you heard him talk about, the offensive line is coming together. The run game is solid. And the, those, those, those wide receivers, man, they're good. They're really good. And the Raiders' secondary is going to get tested. If Nate Hobbs is able to come back, that'd be huge. No guarantee he's going to play on Sunday. But if he does, that would be huge for the Raiders because they need that. Someone to match up with DK. Someone to match up with Tyler Lockett. Someone's going to have to slow those cats down because they're going to try to stretch the field at some point and uh, going to have to lean heavily on Max Crosby and Chandler Jones to try to get home and get some pressure on Geno Smith. Final soundbite from Patrick Graham as we wrap up the show today is preparing the team for DK Metcalf and what Mac Hollins has to do with it. I mean, Mac, you know, again, good player and – I would just say I don't like getting into the comparison thing, but, you know, in terms of size, but Metcalf presents some issues, you know, just in terms of his ability to make plays down the field, the speed, the rare combination of size and speed, the ability to be a point of attack blocker in the run game, you know, just his toughness that shows up on tape, the ability to, you know, his stiff arm, everything that he does, I mean, he does at a high level. And I think, you know, again, we get to get a chance to go against some pretty good players in practice all the time too. So, I mean, whether it was training camp or even now when we have competitive periods, but, you know, I don't want to get into the comparison thing, but Metcalf presents some problems and he's not the only one, you know, they got, they got a few receivers out there. They got the tight ends are a problem. So they got pretty, you know, Shane's got, um, you know, a, a stable of guys that he could go to in terms of the run in the pass game that that's why Seattle presents. That's why they're where they're at right now with fifth in the league in points. You know, they're running the ball well. They're passing the ball well. The O-line's coming together, you know, with the two rookies on the outside, veteran center inside. The guards are stout. So they got, they got, they got some weapons there. They got some weapons. It's going to be a challenge. Patrick Graham right there talking about the, the challenge of the weapons that Seattle presents. And, of course, we'll deep dive into Seattle, uh, you know, throughout the course of the week. We have tomorrow. We're off on Thursday. We're all off on Thursday. DeMond's off tomorrow. But we're all off on Thursday. And then we'll be back on Friday, Buffalo Wild Wings. I'll give you that location a little bit later. So, uh, yeah, we're turning the page. The Raiders are 3-7. and seven. They want to improve their overall record to 4-7 and seven if they can go to Seattle and pick up a victory. Many thanks to our guests that we had, Curtis Crabtree, Fox 13 in Seattle, John McClain, GallerySports.com, and Sports Radio 610, Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders Radio Broadcast, former Pro Bowler here on the show. Make sure you wake up with the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Vinny, Clay, and Heidi on Raider Nation Radio 920.